0: And belly on up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement, now in unison with Socks on 35th, where you can go and get all your analysis, your blogs, and, and, and all your breakdowns. And I just filled out a Hall of Fame ballot that they're doing over there on that site, because now uh, we're all part of the same thing with each other. You can still go and get us anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. And it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions, 24 hours a day seven days a week they are available to you to help you with an emergency or if you're trying to do some preventative things okay you got bowing walls you got seepage you got cracks you got weird things going on with the foundation they'll clean the leaves out of your gutters they do all of it check out all they have to offer at familydry.com. remember if you mention socks in the basement you get money off tell them all about us at 708-330-4466 my friend how are you
1: I'm doing just dandy in this era of lockout non-baseball. <laughs> it's I mean, brutal. what else do you want to call it? Even, even uh, I, I saw something where they had to pull everybody's pictures down off of the websites, off of the MLB official websites. So if you go and look at the rosters, it's just gray blob faces. And that's all bull, because if I go to my fantasy baseball site, they have to deal with the licensing
0: as well, and their pictures are all up. It's, it's a, this is just all of a game. Let me tell you this. I was convinced it was going to be short. I think it might be a little longer. I still believe it's going to come back in January, but it's going to all depend on when the players realize that the owners have a smaller group that they have to keep in line and the owners are not going to renegotiate stuff that they fought for and won in the last contract. And I think this is the problem. It looks on paper like they're really close, right? When, it, Especially when it comes to free agency. The owners are like 29 years and a half. If that's your age, you become a free agent. Before that, you're not a free agent. And then the players are like, okay, well, we're going to just adjust service time just a little bit and it'll be this or 29 and a half, right? And you would think, wow, they're really close. They're not close because the owners are not going to change anything that they won in the last contract. And the only thing I can draw back upon is that one of the labor contracts that I did for the Cook County 911 dispatch center, we won something in arbitration where all of a sudden there was a much higher pay scale and an arbitrator ruled in our favor. And then later was like, "Well, I ruled in your favor because I'm hoping then that the county will come back and give you something that you wanted because, you know, it'll open up talks." It didn't open up talks. I was like, "Nope, I like the more money. I like this, you know." And they were like, "We don't want to change what we negotiated. Nobody ever wants to give up anything that they've already won." And so I don't think the owners are going to go back and make massive changes to how service time is done. They they don't feel they have to. They just did a 60-game schedule in 2020, and I'm sure In the meeting, just for, you know, to prove their point, they go, we could do that again, you know? And so I think at some point, everybody's got to get a little bit more realistic about what they're going to do. I know from the outside looking in, you're kind of sitting there going, well, what the heck? I could figure this out right now, but you're not in charge of both sides and both sides have their own points and they both have to claim some sort of a victory in the end. And I think that's what we're waiting on. And nobody's going to get anything done during the holidays. Nobody ever gets anything done during the holidays.
1: Well, and you're right. I mean, the holidays is not necessarily a time that you're going to get people to sit down at a table and talk, physically talk. But one of the things that is happening is you do have the behind the scenes stuff going on where – Uh, you know there are there we know that in those rooms there are guys that have bigger voices than others Uh, you know when we talked to David Sampson on the show he mentioned that Jerry Reinstorf is always an important voice in the owner's room if there's anybody that he's talking to or that he is trying to get in line with a certain thing or if there's somebody who's trying to get a hold of Jerry they're having that conversation because that's not necessarily doing business that's 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 a talk. That's a chat. That's uh you know, what we might call a beer, you know, coffee, if you're not into that. Or, you know, lunch. <laughs> a couple of appetizers.
0: You really wanted to make sure you covered everything there, Ed. You just wanted to make sure
1: you had everything covered. Well, I, I don't want to offend anyone. If
0: you're British, tea time. Right. All right. All right. I got you.
1: But that's the type of stuff that's going on now, which is important because, you know, when you're doing these negotiations, and you've mentioned this, you know, there are times when you are sitting across the table from the other side and you are hearing what they have to say and you're giving them what you want. And then there are times when you're going back and going, okay, does this work? You know, if you're not in a position where you just have full authority to act unilaterally on behalf of your side, which there are committees of players for the Players Association, they are not going to do, you know, five guys are not going to tie up the entire player association, any more than one owner is going to speak for, you know, 30 teams. So they're doing this stuff right now where it's it's a little bit more friendly. It's not as adversarial. It's not as formal. And when you get on the other side of the holidays and they start thinking about, the players start thinking about, you know, we're only a few weeks away from where we would normally be reporting. Maybe we should sit back down with them. Or the owners are sitting there going, yeah we did do you know the shortened season in 2020 and wasn't wasn't great for us as far as box office numbers and everything you know we did lose a little bit of revenue so maybe we ought to think about where we're going. but yeah if you do have one side that's in there going let's take what we've been doing and blow it up and start over from scratch the other side's not going to do that especially if it was something that they wanted. So if that is the case, if the players really are, trying to undo the things that the owners valued so highly in the last CBA then this is going to drag because the owners are not going to they're not going to yield anything that they feel like gives them control any more than the players are going to yield something that feels like they give up their personal control over their careers
0: Remember, you can reach out to Socks in the Basement anytime you want to, 24-7. All you have to do is go to SoxinBasement.com. You can write us a message, leave a review, use the voicemail button. There's a little microphone. Click on that. You can leave a message from any device. You can also call us on our dedicated phone line at 708-459-8406. Hey, Socks in the Basement, guys. Dean and Lyle. Got some trade ideas. I am worried about left side of the plate. We've done nothing. On the left side of the plate right now, looking at Jake Cronenworth, San Diego Padres, expendable. Padres picked up, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, Usopp Choi or whatever
2: the case might be.
0: Cronenworth is expendable. Uh, Solid hitter, contact hitter, left side of the plate. Would love to see a Kimbrel trade for Jake Cronenworth. So I like Jake Cronenworth. I know you've brought him up before. This is becoming a name that I'm hearing when people are saying, well, you could trade Kimbrel to the Padres. I would love it. I yeah. don't know if they're going to do it. I mean, let's look at what the guy did in his first two seasons with the Padres. Uh, 285 with an 831 OPS and an OPS plus of 129. And he was number two in rookie of the year voting. And then in the following year, a 266 average and 800 OPS and a 122 OPS plus, And he made an all-star game. That's a pretty big name to get, you know? I mean, like, like if you look at his first two years, that's a tough guy to get with just a closer. They have to be pretty desperate, I think, to go get him. I'd love him. Of course, the moment we get him, I'd be like pumping my fists, slapping high fives, throwing my children in the air. I'd be excited. I just don't think it's possible.
1: Well, first of all, I'd be careful throwing your children in the air. They're getting <laughs> a little old for that, and you're you're getting a little old for that, too. It's not a comment on their size or anything. It's just you don't throw teenagers around easy. Look, Jay Cronenworth, I... I His name came to mind, too, when I was writing about it, when you and I have been talking about where Kimbrell could go that could fill that second base hole. And initially my thought was, well, the Padres have Adam Frazier. Well, they don't have Adam Frazier anymore. They traded him to the Mariners. They also have Ha-Sung Kim, who they devoted dollars and years to, who played in their infield last year when Tatis had to move to the outfield when he was hurt, and had a lousy year, but obviously they did They've invested something in him, so he's going to be on their team. And then they do have C.J. Abrams, as as was mentioned. Now, the things that had to fallen into place for the Padres to be a trade partner were that the closer market had to shut down on them and around them. And Mark Melanson, who was their closer, who they had for relatively cheap last year, retired to Arizona where he's never going to get another save. And then you still have Kenley Jansen sitting out there that they could take away from the Dodgers. If they so choose, that's still an option when the lockout ends. He's still a free agent. But really, the rest of the free agent closer options are gone. So that does make the Padres, who are kind of sitting their closer list, a very, very viable option for them to trade. Now, will they trade Cronenworth for one year of Craig Kimbrell? I doubt that. I think they would be more likely, if you're going to grab a position player off of them, to try and trade Eric Hosmer, who I don't think helps the White Sox in any way, shape, or form. But that's a big money guy that they'd like to be off of there because they could play Jake Cronenworth at first if they wanted to. I also think, though, that if if it's a possibility and if the Padres are saying, hey, we'd like to make a Kimbrell trade, that is a situation where if Rick Hahn was so inclined to trade one of the other guys that we've talked about that potentially might have to leave the team, say Gavin Sheets or... I'd hesitate to say Andrew Vaughn. Dangle
0: Jake Berger. I think somebody's going to end up taking him this offseason. I think it's possible.
1: I think so, too. I don't know that the Padres would want him. I think they would want Sheets, though, because if you look at what their outfield situation is going to be next year, they've got Trent Grisham, who's going to play center. They still have Will Myers sitting there. And then right now they would have Jerks and Profar out there as one of their outfielders. Right.
0: I mean, they might throw Tatis out there too, as much as everybody wants to see him play short because they're trying to protect that shoulder or what I think it's his shoulder that he refused to get surgery on. Like he's basically like, I'm just never getting surgery on this. And it's like, what are you doing? So, I mean, they may try to protect him by putting him back out in the outfield next year because they have so many infielders. And then at that point, they're not moving Cronenworth in the first place. So it's a great idea. I'm into it. I I dig it. He's a great player there's a lot of things that have to happen there and the Sox might have to give up more than just Kimbrel them. Sox in the basement listeners, do the hard work. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Join us on the phone line right now from Future Sox, Southside Sox, good friend of the show. Always does very well in the offseason with scoops. Uh, James Fox, you pull something uh, once or twice between the month of October and the month of March, and everybody goes, wow, he was on top of that. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Listen, um, there's so much we can dive into. Why don't we just start off with the, the Hall of Fame vote? Uh, this thing that they did where they went back and tried to find the guys that didn't get through the first time when the writers were doing it. And I saw something you sent out, and I agree with you. It is shocking to me to put, and it's great that Minnie Minoso got in. He should have been in a long time ago. But it's shocking to me to put Harold Baines' numbers up against Dick Allen's numbers. Harold's in the Hall of Fame, Dick isn't. Uh, They got to fix that at some point, right?
2: I mean, I guess so. I mean, I... You know, I'm only 36 years old, so you know, like I heard all the same like Dick Allen stories everybody else did, right? About whatever the perception was, that he just like wasn't nice, or he was a clubhouse problem, or whether that was just because he's you know a black player playing when he played. Who knows? I don't know. But I mean, he he doesn't really seem to have the support that other guys have, and it's weird because like the White Sox, you know, like, they go out of their way to like bend over backwards for for people. And it just seems like they don't do that for Dick Allen ever. Like, it's, it's obviously only two metrics, but, I mean, he, he posted a 155 weighted to run screen for his career. I mean, that's, you know, if you want to use O P S plus instead, it's like similar, 155 or 156. You know, 61 career banglash war. I mean, that's, that's a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, like, I, I just think, you know, I think the problem is the, the Harold Baines problem. And, you know, Harold's a nice guy and everybody loves Harold. And, you know, it's tough, like, to be honest about the situation because people get really mad. But I mean, like, if you're going to put Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, like, you got to pretty much put everybody in the Hall of Fame. I know Tony and Jerry, like, went on a mission to get Harold Baines in and they got him in, but it doesn't really seem to work that way for everybody, right? And they didn't. I guess they didn't really surge behind Billy Pierce either. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I tweeted last week, too, that MLB lockout talk is better than MLB Hall of Fame talk just because, <laughs> like, the baseball Hall of Fame... <laughs> It's just so, so sanctimonious. Because
0: you, you're over there at Future Sox, so you can clarify this for me. Does this affect the minor leagues, or are they business as usual right now?
2: Uh, no, they're business as usual. I mean, the, the White Sox actually just signed some guy named Haxel Rios or somebody, some right-hander, so, you know, some minor league deal. So I just, that just came across my feet. But, uh, yeah, so, no, there will, there will still be minor league deals. It only affects 40-man players. Only 40-man guys are in the union. You know, we just did a pod at Future Stocks, too, kind of talking about the international period. That's still scheduled to go off, you know, about a hitch, January 15th. That's when Oscar Colas uh, will officially join the White Sox. It's been years, James. We've been waiting for this. I feel like we heard about him in 2016 or something, and now he's finally here, you know. <laughs> he's, he's 72. He's 72 years old, but... You know, he's still going to be
0: here. So, yeah, no. Is the hype real? It feels like people have been sitting around waiting for him to join the White Sox. Like he's going to show up and be like an everyday uh star in your lineup. And I always wonder about this. You know, we get these international signings and we always seem to grab a guy that's high up on the list talent-wise. But you know, we're still waiting on Cespedes. Didn't look like he had a, a great first season down there. Uh, Colas, uh, I don't know what he's going to be when he when he finally gets here. How do you take these guys? Is it basically like, you know, they'd be a high draft pick in, in in the MLB draft, but they're not a guarantee in any way?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're not a guarantee. It's $2.7 million. I mean, I like that he's – you know, I don't mind the strategy so much as like you know, you try to get some of these, like, more proven Cuban guys in the international market, and then you go super young in the draft. Like, I think it's kind of a nice blend. I, I think Oscar Colas is going to be pretty decent. He can hit. I think he really got his body in shape. Apparently, he's, you know, he's a corner guy. Left or right and probably first. I mean, the thing that really hurt him, and it doesn't really hurt him, but I mean, like, calling him Cuban Otani... It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, what Shoei Otani did last year, I know you know this, is, like, an all-time, like, sports feat of, like, our lifetime. Like, it, that's, like, probably never going to happen again. So, you know, they, he pitched some in Cuba. He's a left-handed hitter, and he, and he, you know, he came in and pitched in relief some. Like, he's not going to pitch ever again, probably. So, yeah, I mean, the power-hitting, left-handed corner player. So as soon as he signs, I'm sure fans will be asking if he's their solution in right field in 2022. He's, He's not. So with the lockout
0: now here, the White Sox didn't do very much going into this period of time. We all knew that it was going to be a lockout. A lot of other teams went out, spent a lot of stupid money. Some of it was ridiculous, didn't make any sense to me, but there was a lot of money that was out there. When this ends, first of all, how long do you think it'll take? And secondly, when it ends... What are you confident the White Sox are going to do? A lot of people throw out things that well, they might do this, they might do that. What are you confident that they're going to go out and address when this thing ends? I don't.
2: I don't think the starting second baseman is on the roster. Um, I think they'll definitely have another starter. Whether that means like a Sean Manaya or something, you know, like they, I, I think it's more likely to be a fairly impactful guy via trade than just signing Danny you know, Duffy or something. You know what I mean, the guy because they need cover man and like you guys have talked about this and like I think Kopech's going to be a good starter but I mean it's probably 140 innings two of your starters right now are Dallas Keuchel and Michael Kopech I mean that's not enough I mean that's you know maybe it's maybe it's Rodin. like I don't I've heard conflicting info on that just you know whether that's even a possibility I don't know what type of deal he has waiting for him you know I wrote something that saying that I expected them to make one significant addition because people that I've trusted in the past have told me that and you know even like a couple of the beat writers agreed that they should have like one significant move now whether people think Michael Conforto is significant or not I don't know but that's probably the guy like if they if they were to make a move.
0: So there's a guy getting a lot of hype and this is, uh, this is when I, I enjoy talking with you and the guys over at Future Sacks. There's a guy that I've seen a little bit of hype over the last couple of months uh, Jose Contreras is working out with him and sees him as a as a project that he, he just wants to see succeed. Uh Norgay Vera who I'm wondering is he the number 1 prospect right now that we re, that we have down there because I'm seeing all this hype I'm starting to wonder is this a legit pitcher is he a starter and how soon can we see him?
2: So I think he's the number 1 prospect in the entire system. I understand why others would maybe be a little skeptical only because like he was throwing to teenagers this year, but that was only for like tax and bonus purposes. I mean, that system's, you know, that is ridiculous. So they sent him to the DSL because they wanted him to get his full bonus. He's actually stateside now. um, You know, so we'll see him in spring training if baseball ever happens again. Um, And look, he should start at like, he should start at like Winston Salem. I mean, he's, he's like super advanced. Like you could send him to Caney and he could do a month in Canapolis and Torch that entire league, and then you know I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes at Birmingham, and then I think he's a legit option for for twenty twenty three, and we'll see. I mean, when you're that athletic with that type of build, and you throw a hundred, you know, with clean mechanics, I mean, you're you're kind of a dude.
0: Anybody like standing out right now in Arizona? Anybody playing fall ball or winter ball or whatever like in Arizona right now that's uh, that's making a name for themselves and making a case that they're ready to make a jump?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like everybody likes Jose Rodriguez, I think. I mean, there there were questions about him, too, just, you know, a super aggressive approach, and he hit it rookie ball, and he hit it low A, and then he got a promotion at double A, and he kind of wasn't that great in the Arizona Fall League, but he looked like he belonged, you know. So that's their next middle infield type guy, probably. You know, he's a top-ten prospect in the system, so he'll be interesting to watch. And then Gilbert Sanchez, I think, is a lot better than than people thought and that he was given credit for. I mean, that's another two and a half million dollar older Cuban player. You know, it was kind of said like he was major league ready defensively, but he's hit like quite a bit. I mean, he had like 10 homers and he was hitting homers at double a. So we could actually see him this year, like in a utility role, I think. And if he's a utility player in the big leagues, like, you know, it's a pretty good use of two and a half million dollars. So, you know the White Sox don't have the super like high upside top one hundred type prospects like at the moment they could right one of those prep pitchers that they drafted could really take off or Colson Montgomery could be what the the organization thinks he is it's just going to take a little bit of time because they graduated so many players to the big leagues you know but I do like as we've talked about before just the fact that they've gotten a lot younger and they're probably going to continue to do so.
0: James Fox, you can check him out on Future Socks at Southside Sox and follow him on Twitter because uh, James Fox 917, every once in a while, uh, will just come up with something and you're like, really? That's happening? And then you see all the big boys jump in after him. Do a great job. I appreciate you jumping on the show as always, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: All right. Sounds good, Chris.
0: If you're looking for something new and exciting, a blend of French and Vietnamese food, the art of food is at TT's in Westchester from the five spice lamb chop to the spicy basil leaves, the garlic chicken, the crispy basil catfish. They have everything there. Impress the person you're going out to lunch or dinner with. Check out everything they have to offer at ttsrestaurant.com. It sounds like TT. But it's spelled T H I T H I Restaurant.com. Visit them today at 11055 Roosevelt Road in Westchester. Uh, and, and I can't say enough about them, man. I got to tell you, I, I've been in there, I've eaten in there. I've never been a very adventurous food guy. I've always been one of these guys. It took me forever to start putting mustard on my hot dog because I didn't like the taste of mustard as a kid. Okay, I could still only have onions when they're fried.
1: What?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I don't want onions in anything unless it's like in an onion ring. Like that's basically where I'm at. Or a bloomin' onion. It's got to be fried. Basically, I go into TT's, though, and that menu. You will check that out. You're kind of like, "Ooh, am I? We, this is this is some exciting stuff here." But. But I don't know. I'm not used to that. I go in there. I have never had a bad meal. It is definitely a place to go check out over in Westchester. That's their second location. Normally, when a place opens up a second location, it's because the food's so good and there's so many people going to the first location. They're like, we have to build another building up. And so make sure you check them out. If you've never tried them before, they are quickly becoming just an incredible spot for people to go out and get meals. Once again, 11055 Roosevelt Road. All right. I was looking at our Fantasy Baseball League. And in the lockout, we can do things like this We, because, you know. Sure. No no stats are being counted right now for obvious reasons. Right, exactly. So I was looking at it and CBS Fantasy, and we've talked about their articles before. We've talked about Scott White before who, who writes for them and analyzes fantasy baseball players. And we've talked about rankings before in fantasy baseball. For our league and for the sites that we follow, you know, OPS – is going to create a really good baseball player. You know, a low whip is going to create a really good pitcher. A lot of things that we talk about are very important stats to look at for players. Those are the exact same things that score the most amount of points when we're playing in our Fantasy Baseball League. Fantasy baseball is very easy to kind of translate into actual performance on the field. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of go through their rankings right now, position by position, and where do the White Sox rank? Where do their players at those positions rank, and what do they say about them? And I think what's the most interesting about this, Ed, is that these these evaluations are heartless evaluations done by people who are trying to figure out who is going to have the greater offensive output. That's all they're looking for. Right. They don't care about the uniform. They don't care about whether or not you like the guy personally. This guy is going to score a ton of points because he is going to do this offensively. And it's a really, really basic evaluation, And but it's also all the fluff is taken out of it. So when I say that I look at their catcher list, and in a points league, where I think it's the best way to kind of just look at overall output, Yasmani Grandal would end up fourth, with only JT Riomoto, Sal Perez, and Will Smith of the Dodgers in front of him. And they kind of break down this about how his season turns on a dime after having surgery to repair a torn knee tendon in July, and now he looks like he's peaking after the age of 30 like Sal Perez. Home run pace, the best it's ever been, excellent plate discipline, The batting average is going to kind of you know hold him back a little bit, but he's going to go out there and produce. You see, and that's kind of like the and that doesn't surprise me at all about Yaz, right? I mean, to you, no,
1: that that sounds about right.
0: Yeah, that's that's where I would have him. So now that I've kind of set a baseline, and we know that as they're evaluating catchers, that's a pretty good spot to put him. Let's take a look at the other positions. First base. Where do you think uh, Jose Abreu ends up amongst all Major League Baseball players in terms of projected offensive output in fantasy baseball next year?
1: Well, um, I I think he's still a top 10 first baseman overall, but I don't don't think he's very high on that list. No,
0: no, he is seven, okay? And here's the evaluation. Abreu will be 35 next season, so it is reasonable to assume he's entering his decline phase. His batting average dipped to a career low in 2021, but he remains a middle-of-the-order threat, reliably delivering home runs and RBIs. You get points for RBIs. Now, that's, I think hits things right on the head with how you would evaluate him. But I would also tell you this, if Jose Abreu's in the three or four spot, you're not having a good season, or he's having just something that nobody expects. Because I think when you look at 2019 and 2021, and you look at that that very short two-month period where he wins the MVP, but you look at the year before and the year after, you can see a decline, and you can see that he probably isn't a three or four guy. He's more of a five-hitter, and if you're doing really well, if guys take the next step on this team— He's hitting sixth in your order. If you have a if your lineup is doing everything it's supposed to be doing and everybody's healthy.
1: You're not wrong. Okay. Jose is he's a 35-year-old first baseman. He's 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 actually entering the phase of his career where you would more or less expect this to be the case. So if I'm a Sox fan, it's not about him saying that, you know, are you saying that Jose Abreu shouldn't be their starting first baseman anymore or anything like that? It's just consider the end of Paul Canerico's career where you have Paulie playing at what is less than what he was, for example, say, in 05, right? He's still really good, but he's not what he once was. That's all that they're saying about Jose Abreu.
0: Here's a notable one, and this is, I find really interesting when they rank their outfielders. Uh, and again, they're looking for offensive output here.
1: Yeah, d- ignore defense for a second. So, Aloy, this is the one spot where... He- <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're not hurt by that. You know, they only put 30 guys on the list. Right. Three outfielders per team. It, it, it's If you get one guy on the list, you should be happy. Sox have two. Lewis Roberts in the top 10 of all outfielders. And what they wrote about him was, we knew that he had the power and the speed, uh, but nobody would have marked Robert for a 338 batting average this year. He does have a bloated BAPIP. And a sharp reduction in the strikeout rate is a reason for optimism, presuming it wasn't just the product of only a 68 game sample, but they're high on him. But then the other guy sitting there at number 17, two guys in the top 20, Aloy Menez, where they talk about how, you know, he only got 55 games and his production wasn't up to snuff, but they believe that power is bankable. They're drafting him high in fantasy baseball. They're expecting a big year out of Aloy Jimenez. And, and I'll give you this little side note as we're talking about Aloy. My father somehow saw something on social media when he was trolling Facebook with my mother's account. Like, he's one of those people that doesn't have his own Facebook account, so he looks with my mother's <laughs> account.
1: Explain some things about things your mother's commented on then, huh?
0: Right, exactly, because sometimes it's him commenting on them. He, he goes on these White Sox sites, and he saw somebody, just one article, somebody suggested, what if they traded Aloy Jimenez? Every time I'm on the phone with him and I start talking White Sox, he's like, and they better not trade Jimenez! I will be right there with him screaming, but I keep telling him, like, Dad, they're not trading Aloya Menes. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No. He's, he's very no. upset about the, even a the suggestion of it because he's like, look, the guy was hurt. He's going to be a beast again next year. I believe in him fully, and he, he's going to be sitting right in the middle of your, your order. In fact, like I said, going back to the Abreu thing, if Abreu is in the three or four spot, it's because a guy like Aloy is not producing. Okay, you you want to see a Abreu moving down because now all of a sudden, you know, I, I want to see Robert in a three spot. You know, I want to, I mean, I really do. I see him like Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, power and speed, and he should be up, and he should always get four at-bats a game and sometimes five. Like, I want him right up at the top of the order. And I think Aloy in the center of your your order means that he is progressing and continuing to get better, which I think there is still plenty of room for, and he's a hell of a ball player. So I was encouraged looking at this, this site that is just trying to find – the best producers offensively and immediately glommed on two in the top 17 in all of baseball in your outfield.
1: Well, and what else did you expect? I mean, really, this is the strength of the team as far as positions go. And it sounds weird to say that as we're watching White Sox fans debate the merits of Michael Conforto or Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn and platoons and You know, what about Adam Engel? Well, what about Adam Engel? You know, all those arguments that are going on where right field seems to be such a mud pit. But the reality is, is that if there's two stalwarts in your lineup going forward, it's going to be Robert and Jimenez. And we were just sort of robbed as fans last year because they were hurt. Right. As soon as Jimenez went up over that wall and came down, you know, and everybody just collectively went, oh, no. You know the reason for it was is that we were sitting there expecting him to take that next step, right, and to be that guy that was going to just come up. I mean, we were talking about him. You and I were talking about him going into the season as having that weird Joe Creedy gene, where he comes up and is super clutch in these key situations, and it's kind of the the Abreu thing too, right, where you kind of expect Abreu to do something when it really counts. And then Robert, you know, I know they said they didn't expect him to have the 338 average, but if you watch his approach and what he was doing last year, I think he was taking a Tim Anderson page and just going, look, all I have to do is put it in play and ridiculously good things are going to happen because he's so strong, so ridiculously strong, that if if he takes some singles here, eventually those suckers are going to be low-line drives that are going to one-hop the wall. Uh, So you are looking at a guy that is going to contend for one of the best, if not possibly the best offensive player in the game and Robert, and then just an old-fashioned top-end, good average, doing it when it counts, hitting the ball out, slugger and Aloy Jimenez. And yes, I agree with your dad. Trading Jimenez would be an absolute crime unless the haul that it brought back was something along the lines of, like, five (laughs) all-stars,
0: something like that. You know, I just like the idea of looking at the fantasy baseball perspective of things. Just just another view of your team and individual players and what others are expecting them to do next year. A reminder of the good talent on this team. While we're trying to add a little bit here and fix a little bit there, a really good team. And that's why they got to get back to baseball soon. In the next couple episodes, we might come back to this. We also have possibly another entry In our thousand dollar guest bounty, I'm not announcing it until I'm sure we've got another big name circling around us. Remember, if you have somebody, anybody, movie star, pop singer, Kardashian, even the unfamous ones, and of course, anybody that centers around baseball or the White Sox, and they've never been on the show before, and you're like, This will be the best guest of the offseason, enter them. Just contact us through any of the social media sites. DM us or or open up your DMs. We'll start talking. As long as you have a connection to that person and they end up on the show eventually, somebody is ending up with a $1,000 from Elite Benefits of America. Check out all they have to offer when you're working on health insurance for your company at EliteBenefits.net. Meanwhile, have you uh, figured out what we would trade Aloya
1: Menes for, Ed? Let me bring uh, like four Cy Young Award winners... And Jake Cronenworth's back. How about that? (laughs) Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.
2: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.